Time to Cast, episode 511, 2019, in space. Welcome to Astronomy Cast, our weekly facts-based journey through the cosmos, where we help you understand not only what we know, but how we know what we know. I'm Fraser Kane, publisher of Universe Today. With me, as always, is Dr. Pamela Gay, a senior scientist for the Planetary Science Institute and the director of CosmoQuest. Hey, Pamela, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you doing, Fraser? Great. Now, before we get into this week's show, I know you have one quick piece of shameless self-promotion in the planet department. I I do. My house has an infestation of planets, and I'm hoping that some of you out there can adopt these worlds and give them a fabulous home. Uh, For those of you who don't know, I, I... paint and I have been painting planets in my spare time to help give my brain something to do when it's kind of done in with the other aspects of my day job. And I invite all of you to check them out. My husband and I have an Etsy store. All you have to do is go to 739studios.com. 739. It's prime. It's odd. And he makes random wooden objects and I paint planets so please take a planet off my hands take a planet off our hands uh but also i think it's important for us to remind everybody if you didn't join us for the 40 hours oh my god hang out a thonery um the cause is still there uh we raised i think you said we raised what close to thirty thousand dollars over just over thirty thousand thirty thousand dollars so far which is sort of halfway to our larger goal but you know if you weren't able to participate live doesn't mean that you can't still help us out and it's very rare that we literally beg you but this is one of those times where yes. as you as we have mentioned we mentioned this last week the funding for CosmoQuest has been cut that the team that is working on the software that is working on coordinating the scientists working to just keep the lights on and keep this whole machine running is uh living on borrowed time now while Pamela gets hard at work writing for new funding grants and she's the master but it's got it takes time and uh the wheels of of politics take take their time so if you can if you have any money to spare if the work that we do with CosmoQuest is important to you please take a second go to hangoutathon.org and there are instructions there how you can participate. And for those of you who are looking to break some kind of tax time, uh, we've only got uh, you know got another couple of days for when you get this, I think, to be able to provide some donations before the end of the year. So if you've been sitting on the fence and just like happily enjoying the science that's happening from the sidelines, and no, and now you're wondering, this is the time. This is when we need your help. Uh, or we start laying off people. Like, I, I can't, and don't know the way to describe it. If every single person who downloaded this podcast episode donated just $2, yeah. we'd be good. Yeah. Now, the thing is, maybe one in 50 of you, maybe, more likely one in a thousand of you, and I mean that literally, are going to donate. But if you want to make the statistics better than one in a thousand, yeah. Please donate now. My way of contributing is I'm not going to pay my salary off of any of these donations. Yeah, and I don't make I, any money from this either. So it's, yeah. it just goes to the team, just goes to the people, the programmers, the editors, the producers, the people who are doing the work with us. So, all right, well, let's get into the show uh, on a happier note. Uh, we did it. 
We made it through 2018 in space. And now let's look forward to to the incredible launches, discoveries, and astronomical events happening in 2019. Now, we did this show last year, and apparently we made a bunch of predictions, and I don't care. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Whatever predictions we made for 2018, those are lost to the annals of time. There is no way for anybody to go to check or verify whether or not we were right. Uh, So it doesn't matter. Um, the past is prologue. It's time for us to look to the future and make some predictions for 2019. But really, we're going to look at the the upcoming amazing stuff that you should be watching out for and stay tuned so that when it all happens, you're not surprised and shocked. Uh, Pamela, there's so many things happening in 2019 that we know of, <laughs> right? <laughs> of course, it's going to be all the uh, the unexpected discoveries that we weren't familiar with. What pick uh we can talk about it sort of through the calendar or we can just pick and choose interesting events over the course of the entire year where do you want to start well i i think the the place to start because this episode is going to go out on monday december 31st and for those of you listening right now there's cool shit going on right now because alan stern likes to do orbital dynamics that disrupt holidays is it really Alex Parker's fault? I've, I saw you call him out on Twitter. <laughs> it is. It, well, so so as near as I can tell, Alan was like, "We need to do this on a holiday," and Alex was like, "And it's done." Um, <laughs> I'm I'm sure it's more complicated than that, but but yeah. Uh, so Alex Parker, he's a fabulous guy, super creative, PI of one of the survey teams, um, and rumor has it he's the person that figured out how to get New Horizons arriving at Ultimate Full timed for the strike of midnight on New Year's for the East Coast, where their organizational folks are working at the Advanced Physics Lab out at Johns Hopkins University. Now, we have mixed information on how best to cover this, because the U.S. government is a bit not open for business right now. There there was a tweet by NASA Administrator uh, Bernstein earlier today saying NASA TV will be covering this. So I have hope and mm-hmm. we will be co-streaming everything live over on twitch.tv CosmoQuest X. Annie Wilson and I have you covered. Come join us, chat with us, and we're also going to be launching a bunch of new stuff on the CosmoQuest website. But the the gist is, you know, this is the essentially going to be the most distant object that human beings have ever reached. It's way out beyond Pluto. Ultima Thule, another Kuiper Belt object. Uh, it's been a bit of a mystery as yeah. the spacecraft is approaching the object. It's not brightening up in the way that astronomers were expecting. You know, they were expecting to get a few details, sort of see the way it was changing in brightness. Maybe they, that would mean that it's got a moon. Maybe there's some kind of dust around it, but it's still a bit of a puzzle. So when it actually does arrive uh, on New Year's Day, it is going to be the first insights that we have to this whole new place. Uh, and will it look the same as Pluto? Will it look different from Pluto and and Sharon? We have no idea. It It's truly mysterious. And watching people be deeply confused at this object's refusal to vary in brightness 
is so much fun because yeah. it's not behaving the way we expect an object to behave, which means that it's either like the most boring service ever is uniquely aligned with us, is rotating super weird. This is an object that we need a closer look at and we are getting a closer look yeah. just in time to force us to get up early in the morning on New Year's Day. Yeah. I uh, can't wait. And and by the time people are reading this, they will be able to see these first pictures. But the, you know, the time frames that are going to be going on are mind bending. Like it is yeah. so far away. The images are going to take so long to come out. It's going to take 20 months for the data to just trickle back home. So we won't really see all of the pictures that we're taking in this brief period of time for 20 months so we'll be, get the thumbnails we'll get the thumbnails we won't get the full rich full uh dramatic versions and the hope is that this isn't going to be the end of of new horizons that there's there could be one more object in in the works if they can find something that's sort of in its cone of you know trajectory for the future so so stay tuned i can't wait and again by the time you're listening to this you'll know what the pictures look like so so it's it's like we're already talking about something that happened in 2018, but we don't know. You know, but we don't know as you listen to this, <laughs> which is so weird. Um, all right. Well, it's going to be exciting. Um, so so then I think we are moving somewhat uh, through time here. So why not? Uh, I want to talk about the Chinese mission to the moon. And we actually talked about yeah. this in 2018, the Chang'e 4. And it set up the relay station at the far side of the moon and it launched the 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 rover lander um and now uh in just uh what january 3rd so again literally you by the time you listen to the show it this might have already happened the rover lander is going to be touching down on the far side of the moon and for the first time we are going to see this bizarre tumbled up, chewed up landscape that is the the other side of the moon. Not the side we see, but the side we don't see. And while this mission isn't peopled, they're building up towards that. So in the future, it may very well be that it's Chinese astronauts who are the first humans to go to the moon in our lifetime. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care who who does it. Uh, go China, go SpaceX, go US, go Europe. Somebody get to the moon uh, before the. Well, this we'll, we'll talk about this later on. But you know, of course, the 50th anniversary of the moon landing is coming up. So, um, uh, what else have you got? So the thing I'm looking most forward to, and at this point we don't know when it's going to happen, is finding out the temperature profile of the soil on Mars. This, this does not sound like the most exciting thing in the world or on another world, but for years I've been going to conference talks, I've been hearing people talk about, well, if this is true, that is true, then we have liquid possibilities underneath the surface. And I want to know what is that temperature profile on Mars and is there the capacity for subsoil chemistry and potentially even life to be going on? Yeah. So in February, NASA's InSight spacecraft, which we covered as a 2018, you're going to see this happen a lot, um, has 
uh, it has already placed its seismometer gently on the surface of, of Mars. And in February, it's going to hammer in a probe, a uh, temperature probe, five meters down into the regolith of Mars. And that is going to serve as a way to measure the temperature gradient. How How is that going to work? It is a super cool device that they put together where it essentially bores itself in thanks to, well, momentum. They have a hammer inside of a shaft that carefully and slowly pulls itself up and then releases with violence downwards. And this downward release, it impacts into the soil and every time it moves itself down a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. And it's this up slowly downwards quickly that allows this to happen. And, and, and how will it be able to check the temperature? Well, it, it has sensors. It's, we have gotten really, really good at putting sensors into things that bury themselves under the ground. This is technology that the oil industry has really perfected. This is kind of like the smallest oil rig ever. It just has a different way of boring down under the ground and um, uses a whole lot electric, a whole lot less electricity. Right. But the, but by, by having this temperature probe five meters down below the surface and measuring the temperature very carefully and, and measuring the temperature var variations between the, the daytime and the nighttime and the wintertime and the summertime, they will be able to model what they think the interior, how molten the interior of Mars is, which is. Well, so, so this doesn't so much get to the molten as this gets to the insulation. The seismometers get to the molten. This, this is only going Going down, I believe it's five meters, and and five meters starts to tell you how much insulation do you get, how much uh, uh, thermal variance do you get. The seismometer, as it measures waves going through the world, is going to tell us are there pockets of more or less liquid material inside or is it completely solid. So between these two instruments, we start to get a profile of what is the outs outer insulating properties if you wanted to build a hobbit hole yeah. on on mars and and how well will it thermally protect you from the outside and then if you kept digging is there geologic activity down there and more importantly could this be the on again off again source of methane that we may or may not be seeing right all right, so 2019 is going to be the year that Americans were able to deliver human beings to the International Space Station, in theory. So there are two spacecraft that are being developed right now. The first by SpaceX is called Crew Dragon, and the other one by Boeing is called the CST-100 uh, Starliner, I think? It's the Starliner. Yeah, and both of those are due for for uh, uncrewed tests. Um, now, the SpaceX one is going to be launching on January 17th. It's going to not have anybody in it. Uh, and then they're going to, and, and then they're going to be doing another mission, I think in June with some astronauts on board, but it's not going to go anywhere. It's just going to go up and go to orbit and come back down. And then in, I believe, September, uh, August, 
we should see the first mission, which will have the Crew Dragon taking astronauts to the International Space Station. So if SpaceX's schedule works as they are hoping, uh, we should see three launches of the Crew Dragon this year. One un one uncrewed, the Crew Dragon, the uncrewed Crew Dragon, then we'll see a crewed Crew Dragon, and then we're going to see a crewed crude crew dragon to the international space station the uh, boeing flight is behind uh it's probably going to be taking off in mm, let's see in march i think you're so optimistic <laughs> i know i know i know this is this is what people are planning this is how it works right so boeing is going to test uh their mission sometime in march and hope to have crew on board in august but i don't know of any plans to send astronauts to the space station from boeing this year so uh we should see really the one of the United States' greatest weaknesses is that it can't send human beings to space. So that to, is going to get fixed. Uh, it, mm, Virgin Galactic would argue with you, but it depends on your definition, definition of, space. of space. We can't send people to orbit. We can't send people to orbit. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I would even say you can't send people to space. <sighs> fine so the 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 reason that i am more optimistic about one of these spacecraft than the other is we've previously seen a dragon capsule launch a load of cheese because why not uh this is a tried and true rocket that goes up it feels like every day of the week it's probably more like three days of the week and Boeing's rocket, we just haven't seen enough of. And, and so here we have both a rocket and a capsule that have to be tested. Whereas with SpaceX, it's just the capsule. Now, one of the things that intrigues me about this timeline is Elon Musk likes to test things during that week during which NASA has had so many accidents occur. This is that third week in January where for whatever reason, we've seen two space shuttles get lost and uh, an Apollo capsule. And we know that temperature has to do with some of the issues with the space shuttles. And to see him purposefully over and over again, pushing the boundary during January is his way of saying, we're not going to let a little bit of cold weather worry us. We're going to show we're solid, but we're going to do people in the summer. Right. Yes. And I think that's that's summer people, you know, that's the time. Yes. Uh I agree. All right. Let's move on. Um so we we'll, we've talked about about the uh well, you know what's your turn? I, oh, what do you want okay. to talk about? Uh so Oh man, those those are the cool things. So Parker Solar Probe is continuing its uh, journey through the solar system. It's going to make another close approach to the sun. This isn't a mission that's really returning any of the super showy pictures like Juno has spoiled yeah. us with. But with every one of its amazing gravitational assists, it is showing its mathematical prowess. And every time it dives through the sun's corona, it is showing its material science prowess. This is just a technological feat that is going to build up a scientific picture that may not be pretty 
except for intellectually, and that too is awesome. And Juno's still out there. I just have to say, Juno's there until 2021. We're good with Juno. Yeah. Pretty pictures will keep coming. Yeah, you're going to see a flyby of Parker Solar Probe on April 4th. You're going to see one in September, and you're going to see one in December. So three flybys of the sun, each one getting closer and closer and closer. Uh, now, you say there won't be pretty pictures. There will be pretty pictures. There's, there's pretty pictures, and there's holy expletive Batman, I need to learn how to paint. <laughs> it's going to not be the latter. It's not going to be as as pretty as Juno. I mean, hilariously, it's going to be super <laughs> close so that it you're is. not going to see structures. We, we, you know, we see the sun with this sort of far out picture. But it's still, I think they're going to surprise and wow us with the kinds of images they're going to be turning. So, so don't listen to Pamela. She, <laughs> she's just... Grumpy. All right. So uh, one thing that people have been asking me and asking me and asking me is when do we see pictures from the Event Horizon Telescope? And this picture was taken more than a year ago now. Uh, this is, of course, the, the first ever image of the Event Horizon of the supermassive black hole at the heart of the Milky Way. From what we understand, we're going to see the first images of it in the spring of 2019 and so do you believe this i do i do yeah okay. but i mean like what well, like why not it's because it's been so long and everybody who who is working on it tells me that that's when we're going to see the pictures and and most people have already forgotten so yeah <laughs> i think i think that's when we're going to actually see these first this this one first picture. and of course as we mentioned prepare yourself it's going to be a blob but the shape of this blob will tell people whether Einstein was right or wrong. So my Truth. money's on right. But. So speaking of lumps, we have a spacecraft at Bennu. It is working its way into orbit ever so very carefully. And OSIRIS-REx is going to start returning a mosaic image in January. <laughs> It is going to then uh, swoop down to the surface in September. And in between those two times, CosmoQuest, we have written the software, we have tested the software, the software is ready to go. And our software is part of how they're going to find the rock that they're going to steal off of that surface to bring back to Earth. Yeah, so remember when we said there's a good reason to um, help out with CosmoQuest? This is yeah. one of them. I'd like my staff to still be employed when we're like doing the awesome stuff. Please. <laughs> exactly. All right. So you've got some a couple of astronomical events that you should be watching out for. The first one is there's going to be a lunar eclipse in January. And the cool thing about this is that it is going to be visible from uh, the folks in the United States. Not that, you know, they get all of the... Uh, lunar eclipses, but I live very close. You know, it's going to be visible to me and the folks in the in the Western Hemisphere. The last one was visible to Europe and uh, South Africa, which was where we had our our live stream from. So this one's going to be visible for the folks in the uh, in the Western Hemisphere, which is going to be great. I think it's the twentieth, twenty first. So enjoy that. And then there's also going to be a solar eclipse that's going to be happening in the summertime. Uh, July 2nd, 
The problem. And in November, there's a Mercury I know, transit. I know, I know. That's going to be amazing. That that could be the highlight for most people because everyone will be able to see the transit um, where it's daytime. <laughs> right. But the... Um, the solar and the solar eclipse is going to be a rough one because it's going to zip through Chile, Argentina. So it's going to start in the Pacific Ocean, end up in the Atlantic Ocean, and just make this quick slice across South America. So you've got to be very well positioned to be able to actually see the thing live. We were thinking of trying to organize some kind of trip down as part of Astro Tours, but it just ended up being too difficult to be able to try to pack yourself into a small part of the world during this time. So it's, you know, for the, for the folks in Chile who live down there, congratulations, you're going to enjoy it. I, I had people actually say, please, 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 please don't come. You bring bad weather. Right. And it's going to be uh, wintertime in the Southern Hemisphere. So the chances of being able to see it are going to be a little worse. So, yeah, I agree. What else you got? Um, so Hayabusa 2, we, we need to remember it's not just OSIRIS-REx. These two spacecraft are sampling two different near-Earth asteroids. We have the carbonaceous chondrite, carbonaceous chondrite for OSIRIS-REx, and we have more of a metal-rich asteroid for Hayabusa 2. It, too, shall be grabbing a rock, and it will be dis departing uh, Ryugu with its rock in December. So it's rock collecting time, folks. Yeah. Both missions are going to be bringing rocks back. All right. I think the one that the SpaceX nerds are most excited about is going to be uh, the first hop test of the Starship, which, of course, is the new SpaceX, the new name for the the BFR. Uh, it's called the Starship. The The booster is called the Super Heavy. And right now, they are constructing the outer shell of the Starship in Texas, I believe. Or is it in... Or is it... It's it's down in Texas, yeah. and it looks strangely like a silo or a yeah. water tower yeah, right like now. A big, but, but apparently, they've, he's switched, they've switched the uh, material from carbon fiber composite to stainless steel, which is awesome. Right? To have it's a weird. No way. It's the best. Are you kidding me? That this, like, it looks like an old timey 1950s rocket. It's going to be chrome and shiny. Like, like, this is the science fiction future that we were always promised. So, if everything goes well, this thing will hop into the air and land again. And I'm deeply amused that folks like Scott Manley are trying to figure out if Elon Musk is trolling us with the current pictures that do look like a water yeah, tower. Yeah, totally looks like a water tower. Like, is that it? Is that real? Is that the thing? <laughs> or is that just don't. a yeah? Or is that just a water? Is that where you're going to store fuel? Like, it's pretty weird that that's what you're doing. So that's yeah. We can't be entirely sure that he's not just trolling us. And the problem, of course, classic Elon style is he is just trickling out the news tiny bit by tiny bit onto the internet through Twitter and not really answering any good questions. And so you're just getting, uh, and the, and the, the fan, the fans are just like arguing with each other. And it is, it is as a space journalist who kind of relies on people to provide information for the things they say, it's enraging, but in theory, we're <laughs> going to see a hop this next in 2019, and then 
orbital by 2020. But that'll be for 2020 show. Yeah. And and along the way, we do expect there to be science. I personally expect there to be more gravitational waves than ever before, even if my heart is still curmudgeonly about it. And I think this could potentially lead to new understandings on the initial mass function for the first stars in our universe. We're finding black holes at masses we weren't expecting and numbers we weren't expecting. And the only way to explain this is weird creation mechanisms. And I'm looking forward to seeing how this works. I'm looking forward to seeing how far we're able to push the very large telescope now that it has full-on interferometry going left and right. I'm looking forward to new results coming out of the Gaia mission, test results coming. There, there are so many things doing science. It's easy to get all excited about the robots in space, the rovers on other worlds, but there's cool everyday telescopes helping to expand our understanding as well. I mean, the ground-based telescopes, the very large array, um, sorry, the, the, the very large telescope, uh, which is the, the European Southern Observatory's telescope, essentially the most powerful telescope on earth. It's four enormous telescopes that work together as one Voltron super telescope. And they have some incredible equipment that are attached to these telescopes. They have the sphere instrument and the espresso instrument, and they are producing the most stunning images of planets orbiting stars of planetary disks of gaps in, in these star forming, these planet forming regions, uh, we are seeing other worlds orbiting other stars at a higher level of resolution than we've ever seen before. And this is all just a taste of what's going to happen when the big telescopes arrive in the middle of the 2020s. So, uh, but, but we, but now ground-based telescopes are, are well beyond the capabilities of space-based telescopes for, you know, infrared and for near infrared and visible light they still need them for ultraviolet and x-rays and certain things like that but but the ground telescopes have have caught up and and have moved ahead and so now we need james webb to go up and you know and push the push it forward but i think you're just you're exactly right you're going to see images of things happening in other places that are going to make your jaw drop when you when you wrap your head around what it is that you're looking at. And the Atacama Large Millimeter Array, as it returns planetary disk after planetary disk, capturing the stages of solar system formation, we may actually end up with enough data that we can say this is what it looks like at every stage, the same way we say this is what galaxy collisions look like at every stage because we have so yeah. many images. Here's how planets form. Yeah. Watch. Yeah. Um, now, uh, there aren't a lot of missions, brand new missions going up, but one that is going up is the European Space Agency's CHEOPS mission, the Characterizing Exoplanet Satellite, and it is going to be a another planet hunter. And it's going to join TESS in finding planets that are orbiting bright stars relatively nearby. And so we're going to get another more more planets, which is great. And and we continue to look forward to dark energy discoveries, dark matter discoveries, 
Uh, we will not have Large Hadron Collider discoveries because no. it is shut down for upgrades. I, and I, sometimes I, that's a good thing. Yeah, well, I got an invite to come and check <gasps> it out. So I should go do it now that it's now that it's shut down. And now, I mean, you won't get any superpowers when you go in, but you also won't die. I don't so want to run that fast. I'm now's lazy. the time to uh, to check it out. Uh, cool. Well, I, we're, we're running a time. One big event, and we mentioned this earlier, is on uh, July 20th. Uh, it is the 50th anniversary of the Apollo 11 moon landings. This is the time, 50 years, since human beings first set foot on the moon. And this is the 100th anniversary of the International Astronomical Union and the 400th anniversary of some of Kepler's laws. So stay tuned for the history as well. And one last time, go buy my planets at 739studios.com because my house is filled with worlds and it doesn't have enough volume for them. Yeah. Exoplanet hunters are finding countless worlds in Pamela's house. It is true. All right. Well, thanks, Pamela. Uh, here's to an amazing 2019. And uh, I can't wait to see what unfolds over the next year. And I shall see you on the other side. All right. Thank you for listening to Astronomy Cast, a nonprofit resource provided by the Planetary Science Institute, Fraser Kane, and Dr. Pamela Gay. You can find show notes and transcripts for every episode at Astronomy Cast. You can email us at info at astronomycast.com. Tweet us at astronomycast, like us on Facebook, and watch us on YouTube. We record our show live on YouTube every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 p.m. Pacific, or 1900 UTC. Our intro music was provided by David Joseph Wesley. The outro music is by Travis Searle, and the show was edited by Susie Murph.